You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody. This is Sarah. And first, I want to thank you so much for downloading this episode of the No Labels no Limits podcast. And as you know, this is a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so that we can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purpose-filled lives. And I believe without a doubt, we are each capable of so much more than we imagine. Now, on this interview, which I'm, I'm positive you're going to really enjoy, we're going to be talking with Kendra Perry. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Kendra. Kendra is a former multiple six-figure functional health coach. We're going to dive into what that means in a little bit. Turned online business strategist for health and wellness practitioners. So she is on a mission to stop health coaches from being broke by helping them build booming businesses in the next decade. She's currently helped already 300, well, more than 300 health coaches grow their practices and attract consistent clients and blow up their bank accounts in the best of all possible meanings of blow up their bank accounts. And she's created a number of proprietary things that I'm going to ask her to talk about also. She's created the groundbreaking Health Coach Accelerator Method, which turns scared, scattered, and self-conscious coaches into confident, focused, and high-performing health entrepreneurs. So, and I want to say right now, if, if the word health, you're saying that doesn't apply to me, just listen to the adjective, scared, scattered, self-conscious. If you're doing anything where you feel any of those things, you'll be able to learn from Kendra today. So stick with us. She is also the founder of the Profitable group system, which teaches coaches to scale their income and impact with online group coaching programs. Also something that applies to more than just coaches. And she's been featured in Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global CEO Blog Nation and Authority Magazine for her expertise on sales. So right there, she's got a whole marketing and sales expertise going on. So when she isn't getting just totally fired up about business and marketing. You can find Kendra indulging in her love of adrenaline sports. Can't wait to learn more about that in the remote mountains of beautiful British Columbia, Canada. And as someone who's had the privilege of traveling in those mountains, they are gorgeous and they can be remote. Mm -hmm. So her story is going to show us that anyone can start a business with zero knowledge of business experience. Um, and that success is really just a series of failures and unwavering commitment and dedication. Yeah. So with all that as a lead-in to Kendra, let's welcome our guest, Kendra Perry. Hi, Kendra. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing great. Um, I've been pretty excited to have you on the show. 
partly from the health coach perspective, because mm -hmm. I've noticed more folks kind of getting into that niche mm -hmm. and how important it is. And when I say more, I don't think there's still enough. Um, yeah. And just your approach, the kind of the things you lay out and that you do, I think are so inspirational and can be a model for others who are trying to start something. So um, before we dive into all that, though, I want to ask you the question I ask all of our guests, and that is, is there something that you do every day that keeps you heading towards your big vision, keeps you on track? Oh my God, there's so many things. <laughs> I sort of have a list, I call it a menu. And I kind of, I pick one of the things from this menu each day because I like to switch it up. But on that menu is meditation, breath work, um, time outside in nature, and um, really, really healthy food and coffee. <laughs> so you pick and choose from your menu, but do you try to do all of it or just some of it? Um, every day. So, you know, the morning routine is just so important for me, like how I start my day. But uh, sometimes because I'm like a high achiever, I was like trying to do everything. I was like, okay, I got to like wake up. I got to do breath work. I got to meditate. I got to go for the walk. I got to like drink my bulletproof coffee and then I got to stretch and then I got to read and then I should color. And like my morning routine was stressing me out. So now I just have the menu. And as long as I start my day with one of those things, um, it just puts my head in the proper space in order to be, you know, productive and have the energy I need to kind of carry me through the day. I, I like that. I totally relate because there is that menu in my head. It's like, you, well, you're supposed to do this, this, and this. I'm going, oh, get real. You're not yeah. doing all that stuff. <laughs> but do the things that will make the most for today. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so let's go back and learn more about how you got to be where you are today. So, you know, you noted that you started as an aspiring professional skier but mm -hmm. now you're in this health coach and online business mentoring and this whole space mm -hmm. how did you get from one place to where you are today yeah it's a great question so just a bit of backstory i've been a skier my whole life i remember skiing between my dad's legs down a little green run before i remember walking or anything like that uh, it was very much, I had no choice. <laughs> we were going to be skiers. And uh, I grew up in Eastern Canada. It's very icy. It's not um, the most inspirational type of snow. So we ended up competing in freestyle skiing, which included um, mogul skiing. So I don't know if you, your audience is familiar with this, but you're going down these bumps and there's a jump in the middle of it and then more icy bumps and then another jump. And I ended up skiing for the provincial Ontario team and I competed nationally. Um, so skiing was always a really big part of my life. And I always wanted to be involved in it um, in some way, shape or form. And I eventually after high school, I moved out to Western Canada, um, partially because I wanted to get away from my parents and have freedom. But a big part of that was for the mountains and for skiing. And I went through university and eventually ended up in the small town Nelson that I live in now, um, very much a ski community. And one day I was skiing and this man came up to me at the bottom of the ski hill and he said, hey, you're a really good skier. Like, have you ever considered um, being professional? Like, do you want to be in photos? Do you want to be in magazines? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. You know, I was 25 at the time or maybe 24. Um, didn't really have any career at the time. And that sounded really glamorous to me. And I was like, wow, I could travel the world. 
Uh, I could be in ski movies, I could be in uh, ski photos, and this could be this really exciting and adventurous career that I've always been looking for. So I started shooting with uh, this photographer and various other photographers locally, and that was the winter of 2011. And I skied 125 days that season. And two days before I was about to fly to Thailand, at the very end of the season, I jumped off this cliff and I didn't land properly. I twisted my knee and I instantly knew something was wrong. And because of all my training in skiing, um, I'd been taught to ski on one ski. So I, I was by myself at the time, no one was with me. So I skied down the mountain on one ski to the bottom and I just like took myself home. I got someone else to drive my standard car home and I hopped in and I was like, oh, I'm fine. So I ended up in Thailand limping around and it just wasn't getting better like I thought it would. And so I knew something was wrong. But when I came back, I was working as a forest firefighter and we had to pass this fitness test on day one. So I just wrapped up my knee like crazy and just like got through this fitness test and then started doing physio and rehabbed my knee to the point where I didn't think anything was wrong until that following winter went skiing and I could just feel it slipping like something was off. So I ended up meeting with a surgeon and he recommended an exploratory surgery and he thought it was just like a quick and easy kind of fix. And I remember being, um, I was awake during the surgery. It was just like a, they, they put the little camera in the incisions. They don't cut you open or anything. And I'm like lying on this hospital room bed and he goes in there and he's like, oh, your knee is fine for the most part, but your ACL is in shreds and that's anterior lateral ligament very important ligament if you're a skier. <laughs> it's like a career ending injury. And so I was, you know, lying on this um, gurney and I was just like shattered, like completely shattered. Um, I realized, you know, cause I was 25, which is getting a bit old for the ski industry, right? So I just, I knew that things were probably over for me and I was incredibly devastated, uh, not only because of that, but the, the job I was doing at the time, again, was as a firefighter. I worked in forestry, uh, so I hike around the bush all day. Like, I needed a functioning knee. So I was looking at this lack of passion, like losing the thing I was the most passionate about and then not having a way to pay my bills. So that was a bit of an identity crisis for me because I, I skiing was so tied up in my identity. I didn't really know who I was if I wasn't a skier. And so I ended up having to go on medical unemployment and you know, I couldn't do anything. It was a really hard time, but I needed something to do because I couldn't drive my car because it was a standard. I couldn't push the clutch. Like I couldn't go anywhere. I was like, I got to do something. And at the time I'd become really interested in health and wellness because I'd been struggling with acne on my skin. So I had not had success with conventional medicine and I'd kind of gone down the alternative health route and I'd, I'd become quite passionate about it. So I ended up signing up for a diploma at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And then I started to blog. I was like, I'm going to just start blogging because I also was a very good writer. So I started this blog called Crazy Happy Healthy, like very basic blog in like 2012 or something like that. And I started blogging and I saw that there was all these other bloggers making money online. So I was like, I'm going to be a blogger. But I did not figure that out. <laughs> and I think I made like the most money I ever made was five bucks a month from like Google AdSense or something like that. So um, I didn't really do well in that space, but I wrote a blog post every day for a year, every single day and built up this blog. And then one day I was listening to a podcast and the guy on it was the owner of the school uh, for functional diagnostic nutrition. 
basically a program that teaches unlicensed people to become health coaches and utilize labs in their practice. And I was suffering still personally with some health issues. And I was also like, well, maybe I could just be a health coach. Like, how cool would that be? And so I took this program and did quite well in it and then managed to start being a health coach about a year after I finished the health coach. And I ended up quitting forestry, started offering my services that way. And then, yeah, just moved into the health and wellness space. So it was very much, um, it's interesting how my career now really did stem from probably the hardest, darkest moment in my life, but I'm so grateful for it now, you know? That's so um, timing wise, interesting to me because I just finished editing and writing both a podcast and a training segment on our adversity and really how that those moments Mm. really do catapult us partially because of the stretch that we go through, especially if we keep, you know, persevering. Um, We just become different and we can see things differently. But boy, in the moment. You know, you talked about it being such a dark time and feeling shattered when you were on the table with the surgery. How did you move from that mindset? You know, I mean, it sounds very easy when you say, so then I looked and I thought, well, maybe I'll try this. But that didn't happen in one day. Mm -mm. No. How did you move through that path, Kendra? You know, it was very difficult, um, especially because it was at a time in my life where I didn't I wasn't doing any personal development work or self-care had something like this happened to me. Now I would have just been like, Oh yeah, I am like so ready for this. But at the time, like I, I didn't, I didn't do any self-care. I didn't do any personal development. Um, I had a very sort of toxic mindset and toxic relationship with myself. So there was a lot of like self-deprecation and just very just sadness and being hard on myself and darkness and negative thoughts Um, But one thing that really helped me stay positive was I was very committed to the physio because I realized that I was not going to probably be a professional skier, but I knew that I loved skiing and I needed it in my life. And I didn't want to have an injury that was going to haunt me for the rest of my life. So I did physio for three hours a day and that helped me stay focused. There was a lot of breathing involved in that. So it kind of helped me get out of my crazy monkey brain um, and get back in my body. And that's what kind of gave me the clarity to be like, okay, I can't do this, but what can I do? And that's where I started digging back into my past. And I was like, you know, when I was in university, I used to write for the university newspaper and I really enjoyed it. Okay, cool. So maybe I can write, what can I write about? Well, maybe I should write about what I'm learning as I go through this diploma. And so it was kind of a bit of a shift in that way, but it, it was definitely about six months, probably more of just being like super friggin' negative and just miserable and not the nicest person to be around. It's, it's tough when you recognize that you don't even actually want to be around yourself when you're going through stuff. Like yeah. It, it's hard. It's a hard it's transition. Hard. Did you have, um, I know you were living on the other side of the country from your parents and your family, mm-hmm. right? So did your close friends know that you were struggling? Um, I don't think they did because I wasn't very open. You know, I kept a lot inside. I was very, you know, I always have struggled with emotions and being vulnerable with them. And my parents were on the other side of the country. It's funny. I was just with my parents on the weekend and we were talking about that. My mom's like, I just felt like an asshole. Like when I think back at that, like, how are we not there for you? And I was like, I don't really remember why, but yeah, I was completely alone. 
Um, you know, I had to get a friend to pick me up from the surgery, which was a seven hour drive from where I lived. And um, yeah, I didn't have a partner. I didn't have my parents, um, but I did have some really good friends that really helped me out and showed up um, to hang out with me and talk with me and like take me for drives. And I'd be so excited to just get in the car and stick my head out the window and <laughs> like, like a puppy, just like so excited because I was stuck in my apartment. Uh, but I don't think people really understood at the time how hard it was for me because I kept it all in because I didn't know how to express what I was feeling at the time. So let's contrast that with how mm-hmm. you. OK, so that's kind of how you showed up to be where you are today. So describe a typical I won't even say a day because I'm sure with everything you have going on, there's not a single day that's typical. Mm-hmm. But like, what might a typical week be like for who you work with, how you help them, those kinds of things. And then we can talk more about the specifics of how you do that. Yeah. So what a typical day looks like really depends on the season, <laughs> because based on the season, I'm doing a different sport right now. It's winter. And that means I need to get up early to get the powder at the ski hill. I want to be first in line. I want to first share. Uh, So I don't typically start work a lot of days until 11 or noon or one in the afternoon because I want to go skiing. So typically, you know, I wake up, I do my whatever my self-care is for the morning. Um, I go do my sport and then I typically come back. And usually the way in which I'm supporting clients is in uh, group coaching calls. I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore, but I run several live programs and so typically we have one call, coaching call a week, followed by a Q&A call. And I'm basically teaching um, these coaches how to start their online business. So I'll have two days a week where I'm on quite a few of these sort of live Zoom coaching calls with a bunch of people kind of participating. Um, and then I have usually two creative days. And those days I am either creating new courses, updating old courses, or I'm focusing on Um, content creation and showing up for my audience, uh, particularly on Instagram. So that's generally what it looks like. And then I usually take Fridays off, but not today because I'm hanging out with you. (laughs) I know. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, I I actually do. But so you really do kind of um, time block how you use your time. And do you find that that really helps you be more efficient and focused in what you're Yeah, absolutely. Because I find like the brain, it takes me to be a teacher. Like there's the teacher hat I put on when I'm supporting clients, I'm teaching them something new or asking, answering their questions. It's a very different kind of part of my brain, I feel, than when I am, you know, deep in the creative work. And I can't jump back and forth very easily. And I find when I do jump back and forth, uh, it leads to a lot of exhaustion. Like I feel off, I feel drained, um, I feel scattered, I feel overwhelmed. So it works best for me when I can devote a full day to just working on what needs to be done, whether that's, you know, making YouTube videos, recording for my podcast, or developing new free resources or new trainings for um, the people I serve. I think we underestimate how exhausting switching can be, you know, the type Mm -hmm. of work that we're doing. And um, I know it took me a long time to learn that. And in fact, until I actually read about it and understood there was language around what I was experiencing, I thought, well, I just don't get it. Other people seem to be able to flip on and off. But I remember this one gal coming and said, I need to talk to you right now. And I just looked at her and I said, you need to schedule time to talk to me because I was so deep into like numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, my <laughs> mind is somewhere else. And then I started learning about that switching, but if mm-hmm. without blocking, it's exhausting. 
you know? It is exhausting. And yeah, it's like the difference between those like administrative tasks, you know, coaching, teaching, and then like the creative tasks, like it's very different, requires different parts of the brain. And I think where people get stuck is they're going from their crazy to-do list and then they're making an Instagram story and then they're going into a client appointment and then they're back to email and then they just feel like they've been on a hamster wheel all day, you know? Because they have been. (laughs) So to pretend that I am um, someone you're working with in Mm -hmm. one of your groups, tell me what I might experience. Like what is the journey I would be going through with you? Yeah, so typically I'm working with newer health coaches or other types of online coaches who might be mindset, personal development, fitness, um, you know, kind of in that general life coaching, fitness coaching, health coaching space. And typically they're relatively new and they're feeling a bit disillusioned. So you might be feeling really disillusioned because you just finished your certification and you're so excited, but no one told you that you need that same amount of education in business as you did in your certification for health or fitness, right? So typically these coaches, they kind of get out there and they think like, oh, I'll just like make a Facebook page or I'll just like be like, I'm a health coach and people will come and they just don't have their experience. So I, um, or that experience. So I find usually the experience that you might be having if you were in that situation is that you'd be feeling a bit disillusioned, a bit frustrated, overwhelmed, and just generally confused, right? So a lot of what I would do is help you with your mindset first, right? Um, People don't, there's a lot of crazy information out there that tells people they can build a six-figure business in 90 days. And I mean, it. I know some people do do it, but it's not the rule. You know, it's by far like the big outlier exception. And it takes time, um, investment-wise for time, investment-wise for money and patience. And um, in the beginning, you're putting a lot out without the external validation, right? Because people, you don't have a following yet, you don't have an audience. So you have to give without validation, which I think is really hard for people because it feels like rejection. So I try to walk them through one of the first trainings that I'll, I'll do inside um, Health Coach Accelerator, which is kind of my um, intro program for new coaches, is we do a big mindset. We talk about like what you're going to be experiencing. And it's interesting because like you said, when you didn't understand like the experience you were having with these back and forth tasks. You didn't even understand there was language around it. Well, they don't understand there's language around it either. They think their experience is unique and it's not. They're all having it, right? So just talking about it helps them so much to be like, oh, like imposter syndrome is a thing and a lot of people experience it. Fear is a thing. Perfectionism is a thing. Analysis paralysis and it it all kind of starts to make sense, right? How many times can we raise our hand to that? So, um, but what's interesting about that, Kendra, is that I love what you said about like that whole outlier of like, create this six figure business in 90 days. Sure. But when people get to like 89 days and they haven't done, they haven't seen a return on their investment of their Mm -hmm. heart, their time, their treasure, right? It can, it can be disheartening. And when you get that mindset up front, it really does help normalize things and keep you in the game. When you think about what, you know, like what a someone might like pull the plug and stop, is there a typical horizon, right? Before folks see the results that they're hoping to see, is it like three months, 10 months, 12 months more before folks start to see kind of that, um, the wheel start to move so that it goes it has its own momentum. It starts to carry. 
Yeah, I mean, it definitely varies, but I like to say about a year. And a year, not from when you graduated your, from your certification or, you know, whatever that is, your craft, um, but a year from when you actually figure out what you're doing, like who you are serving specifically. So like that niche, like who is it that I actually help? And once you start getting specific with who you help and you start curating content around that specific person and you start being consistent, I like to say about a year and I have seen people do it quickly. You know, um, I had a client inside my last um, offering of Health Coach Accelerator to have an 18K month in month three. Crazy. Not typical though, you know, like amazing, so crazy, like want to shout that from the rooftops, but it's not typical. Um, most people are going to take, you know, six months, but usually a year of being consistent. And I think that's pretty typical for a lot of entrepreneurs because I know uh, Social Media Marketing World did a big survey where they surveyed, I believe it was 5,200 marketers. And 79% of them said that they didn't start to see um, a return on investment in sales until about a year of being incredibly consistent on social media. So that's where it's the hardest. It's like in that year, because it feels like a long time. It feels like you're outputting a lot. You feel this desperation to make money and it's not happening. And I think that's where a lot of people give up is in that first year, because you're not getting validation. You're not getting typically any validation, especially if you're in personal development, life coaching, health and wellness, because people don't always want to talk about their personal problems in a public forum. You know, if you are someone who helps people with diarrhea, like, are they really going to want to talk about diarrhea on Facebook wherever anyone can find it, right? Do you have a lot of creepers? So just because no one's saying anything, I mean, they might, they're probably still there, but I think because of that, you wait even longer to get the validation because, you know, it's yeah. sensitive stuff. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's true though, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. in business, I mean, that's why you see businesses kind of fail or fall off at that just around the three-year mark, right? People pour their yeah. heart out in them and then they say, well, I guess this isn't panning out. And yet, just a little longer. And mm -hmm. this is, I mean, this doesn't mean you just keep sinking money in without thinking about it. This is actually, you're like using good principles and assessing and all of that stuff. But it isn't that odd to see someone say, I just can't stand the frustration, rejection, whatever word and stop and start something else, but then they're starting all over again. Exactly. And I know for me, my clients, um, they get amazing results, you know, and I, I've had this conversation with them frequently, folks that I've worked with on and off for five years plus, not consistently anymore, right? Just touchstones. And um, they remember being at the stage that you described, and now they're like going, oh, we keep getting asked to do this and this and this. I'm thinking, of course you do, because you spent three to five years building credibility, delivering results, being consistent, you know, showing up. And that's so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. And you're right like that. I feel like a year to kind of start getting a bit profitable, but that three-year mark I find is really powerful if you stay the course because I can remember like things started to get easier after the three-year mark because I was more clear on what I was doing. I understood the systems. I understood what I should actually be focusing on a day-to-day. -day. I was having people consistently reach out to me. And I think, you know, with online, because like most of the content you post, it, it lives online forever. At some point, you've created so much content in a particular topic that people are ultimately going to come across it and right. find you, right? So it's a game of patience and numbers. Like you said, you wrote your blog every day for a year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's discipline. 
and showing up. And if I'm hiring a coach, I want someone who's disciplined and who will show up for themselves as well as for me. So let's go back to your method though, right? So you start folks on mindset, then where do they go? So once we kind of, you know, I make them aware of all these mindset blocks because really it's about awareness first, right? If you don't even know their blocks, you can't work with them. So we start with that. Um, and then we go deep into niching and messaging, right? Um, in ter- and also branding. So I call it kind of the identity, the business identity, because you need to know the identity of your client, but you also need to know your personal identity. And this is another reason why anyone who is doing online coaching, consulting, being an expert, um, it's very much a personal development deep dive because if you're going to build a personal brand, you actually have to know who you are, right? You have to be yourself. And I think a lot of people, you mentioned this at the beginning of, of our chat, but you know, you're like, there's actually not enough health coaches for all the sick people or something along those lines. And I agree, but people always feel that the market is saturated, but it's not when you think about personal branding, because there's only one you, there's only one me, and people are going to naturally gravitate towards who they connect with. And it's not bad or good. It's just is right. People just, there's a vibe. There's an unspoken thing that draws us to a certain person. And if we can really embrace more of who we are and really show who we are online and, and teach what we teach, not in a boring way, but with our own unique flair, I mean, that's what gives you no competition because no one can compete with that because everyone has their own thing. So we focus a lot on personal branding and, you know, figuring out who you are, your voice, your personality, like how you want the person to feel when they come into contact with your business and also knowing who that person is, you know, Um, I'm very crazy about leashing. (laughs) I was going to ask you about that. Do you get a lot of pushback from your clients at first saying, no, but I want to serve everybody. So much resistance, so much resistance. So I like to make them aware of that in the beginning. I'm like, you're going to feel resistance. And that's normal, but you have to niche because you can't help everyone. And I would say that's the primary reason. Like every time a coach comes to me and they're like, I can't get clients, I need help. I'll go to their Instagram account. And the first thing I see is I have no idea who they help. I've never had someone come to me who has a clear and concise niche who is not doing well in business. It's literally the foundation. So we get really clear in who we're helping and the problem that we're solving then we talk about the branding and then we go into the offer, right? Like the, the program, like what are you actually going to sell and how do you make it incredibly attractive for the person of whom you help, right? It can't just be a one-off session or like a six session package. Like that's boring. People don't want that. Like how do you make it not only attractive to them, but also design it in a way that's truly transformational, right? Because we want to be transforming the people we help. And if we want to build weightless practices, referral-based businesses, we have to be transforming people's lives, right? So we work heavily on that. And then we go to content creation, social media, so how to build an online presence, grow an audience. Um, And, you know, FYI, you don't need a big audience to have a successful business or make a lot of money. A lot of my clients only have maybe three to 500 people on Instagram and they're still doing, you know, 5K, 8K, 10K, 15K months, right? Um, and then we talk about email list building at the end and, um, and selling as well. We talk about selling. So tell us a couple of examples of um, folks who have come to you mm-hmm. that you have worked with, like what's happened for them? Like tell us a couple of success stories and a, maybe even a couple of bumps they've had to face along the way. 
Yeah, I would love to talk about this one client. She was amazing because she came to me and I believe she was in her mid to late 50s and just no tech skills at all. Like had literally just learned how to turn on a laptop, had never used a laptop in her life and wants to be an online coach. And so I knew I was like, well, this is going to be challenging because, you know, the tech is a really big block for anyone who wants to start an online business. Um, but I do believe that feeling like you're not techie or calling yourself tech illiterate is a mindset, block, right? Because tech is just a tool. It's a learning school. I did not come out of the womb a tech expert. I had to learn it too. And it was hard for me. Uh, it's hard for everyone. And maybe it won't be hard for the younger generation because they're literally born with their smartphones in hand. Um, but, you know, for, for people who are, you know, in their, in their like late 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond, it, it's a skill that will take time to learn. And so she was incredibly frustrated um, and she had a lot of mindset blocks and the tech was such a struggle. And there were times um, where I was like, she might give up. Like, she seems like she wants to give up, but she stuck through it. And I think the tech is still a struggle for her sometimes, but she's persevered and she's been really dedicated to making it work. And she did just recently run a challenge and launch her program, which requires some technical skills. So I just think if she can do it, anyone can do it. You know, I think that push, you know, like having to learn something so that you can use it mm -hmm. is well, I, you know, I think it's fun. It's frustrating though. I'm not yeah. saying it's a, a cake walk. It's not easy, but I, it feels so great when you're thinking, I got this. And then it feels even weirder when someone says, can you teach me how to do that? And you're thinking, really? I just <laughs> like, I'm not the expert here, but I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, so how great for her. And is she already teaching online? Yeah, she's been um, running her business online for about a year now, um, getting clients, doing well and sticking with it, which is great because, you know, she was one of those people that I, I really thought might give up because it just seemed like she was really struggling. But, you know, it really speaks to the dedication to learning something that was uncomfortable and also being willing to, you know, identify the mindset blocks and to keep kind of pushing forward. I would think, and this, I'm testing this assumption with you, but having to go through that herself mm -hmm. makes her a better coach, right? Because it's so. not just yeah. theoretical. She's had to apply that stretch and grow mentality and push through, persevere through. And her students are going to have to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... I think that stuff like makes you heartier. <laughs> I heartier. I like it. That's actually true. It does. And you know, stuff that, you know, in the past might make you stop mm -hmm. in your tracks and go like a deer in the headlights. After you've gone through it a few times, you're thinking, Oh, I just don't have enough information yet, but I can get it and we'll keep going. So Definitely. just give us a quick overview of all of the kind of different ways so that people at different places on their journey might say, mm -hmm. well, I don't need that particular thing but here's another thing I might want to come back and and connect with Kendra on a little bit more about what you offer and then I'd, I'd like for you to kind of run it up and say how the heck can people connect with you Kendra sure. yeah so I have a couple different ways um, in which people can work with me for anyone who's new um, wants to be an online coach who is, you know, relatively new, maybe even still in their certification training or is, you know, even a few years into business, but just they're not getting to those, I like to say 5K. So I feel like that's like a really good first milestone and it, it is, it's a respectable income, right? And if that's all you want to make, that's cool. 
Um, so I have my program. It's a 90 day group coaching program called health coach accelerator. And it basically brings through people that kind of process that I talked about, like all those basics um, to help you start getting clients quickly and start generating money online from there for people who want to scale with group coaching programs and start going from a one-to-one model to one-to-many. That's where I have my program profitable groups, which I run typically in the spring as a live program where we literally create and launch your program during the program. And we do it all together at once um, and get that out there. So we, I have a method in which um, we really focus on business minimalism. We don't do things fancy. We just focus on getting the program out and testing it with a small group of people. So we do that. Um, I also have a few DIY like mini courses um, for those who are confused about their niche. I have niche like a boss. I have one that help, teaches coaches how to lead a sales call and get more clients through sales calls. And then I have one on how to build your signature program. So those are kind of my smaller DIY uh, programs for people who just you know want to just pay less money, get the course, get the information. Um, and then I typically do live workshops throughout the year. I'll probably do one on Instagram growth coming up and I might do one on content consistency in the spring. So I love the live programs. The energy is so much fun. So I can see that. And yeah. it's also a great way for people to get it, get to interact with you. The great mm -hmm. thing about the um, do it yourself though, is people can get a sense about your yes. thought processes and how you teach. And it's a safe kind of toe in the water thing. But I would recommend folks, if what you're trying to do is be safe, take a couple of the do it yourself, but don't yeah. miss out on the live. Don't miss out on it. Cause there's just a different thing when people show up live, there's so much richness. Oh, um, so rich. It's so true. And I used to, at one point I was trying to have a fully like do it yourself course business. And it just felt so out of alignment because I didn't know how people were doing. Like there was no energy, there was no community. And I was like, you know, live launching is kind of annoying, but I just love the live programs because uh, you truly are able to just build this amazing engagement, like with the students, but the students also engage with each other and make like lifelong friends. And I just love that. So, well, and don't you find like sometimes one student will say, well, I'm kind of struggling with this and you haven't even necessarily even started to respond. They haven't mm -hmm. finished what they were saying. And someone else says, well, what if and you're thinking, oh, great, because that means they've already incorporated the information and they can share it. So that's and mm -hmm. that's that whole connection piece that goes there. And um, I just think that's super to do that, Kendra. Um, OK, the last question I have for you is today. So you go back to in the beginning, you were going to be this professional mm -hmm. skier and you had this whole thing. But today, if someone said to you, why do you show up and do what you do today? What's your why? Ooh, it's, it's, it's like a big one. <laughs> but I, I truly believe that I, I think the world needs a shift in consciousness. Like I, I would love to see a positive shift in collective consciousness, especially now. And I really think the way to do that is by empowering health coaches, because I think a lot of the pain and suffering in our world is because people are unhealthy. They eat toxic food, they breathe toxic air, they drink toxic water, and it affects their mental health and it makes them more likely to be reactive or, you know, be aggressive online or, you know, do all the crazy things that we see happening in the world right now. And so I truly believe by empowering health coaches and if they can get to the people and help them be healthier and help them see the power they have in their bodies and develop that entire body sovereignty. I mean, I think that's the way to shift the entire consciousness of the planet. So 
Okay, I lied. I have one follow-up question. Okay, <laughs> no worries. Because it, occur it occurred to me when you said your why. So if someone has never worked with a health coach before, mm -hmm. it could be really intimidating or scary, yeah. right? It's like because you think you need to know more or whatever. What is one of the best ways for someone to reach out to a health coach? I mean, how do, how do they start that conversation? Yeah, so I think, you know, with finding a health coach, the connection is really important, right? Um, I actually train health coaches um, in something super random called hair tissue mineral analysis. It's a, it's a functional test that helps assess the mineral content of the body. But I actually have on my website a list of practitioners who I've trained personally and I think are amazing. And I can give you the link for that and put it in the, if you can put it in the show notes if you want and people can go through that list because those are the best ones I think, but there's a lot of great ones out there. So I would start with, you know, what is the problem you want to solve? Um, search that into Google or search it into Facebook or Instagram and start seeing who's out there and then spend some time following them. Because I think with health, it's so personal. You want to connect, you know, you want the person to be on your level. I think a lot of people have had experience, you know, not with all doctors, but with some doctors where there's a bit of a pedestal. And I don't think people like that. Like we want to be a team. So I think you got to go find someone who you connect with and who you resonate with and you know, who feels like you could be friends with, because I think that you'll have a better experience uh, if you if you really just like the person. So that would be my advice with that. Great advice. So we will I would love the link for the show notes, Kendra, yeah. um, because I think that's a great starting place. And it's mm -hmm. already a starting place where folks have been vetted by you. So if they like yeah. you in this interview, <laughs> it's like, OK, well, they already passed the Kendra sniff test. Right. <laughs> totally. You know, it's kind of like, well, Kendra likes them. One threshold down. Now I can see if I like them and if we're a fit. So absolutely. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today and bringing that. I do think health is so important. And I, you know, as many decades as I've been on the planet, I'm actually even more committed to health and those changes than mm -hmm. I've ever been because I know the difference it continues to make in yeah. my life. And I also know when I'm out of balance. So me too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.